0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. A House United and what David Lovelace talked about with campuses all over, that's what multiplication looks like. That's what we get to be a part of. And man, God's doing some great things there. My prayer is that God would move. And he would move in every congregation, in every group. And I think on this day especially, I mean, this Super Bowl Sunday is always one of those days, you know, where our focus, our attention is sometimes on other things. I have a verse for you if if you think that will help. The scripture says that if we wait upon the Lord, we will mount up with wings as eagles. I I don't know if it's related. Uh, Just just a thought. But there's also a verse that Paul said he was the chief of sinners. So I don't know (laughs) which way you want to go with that. But I know it is a day the world... At least this country goes crazy about. But I can tell you what I would long for more than anything else. It's to see God move. And to see us realize what happens when, when Jesus is sitting here in our life. Let me remind you, if you haven't been with us, we're in a series on the letter called First Corinthians. It's written to a church that was divided and a church that was following. They were following different people. And Paul said, no, 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 no. There's only one to follow. Every one of us have a chair in our life that looks like this it 's a throne, if you want to call it that it's a place it's a filter we We run everything by it, we see everything through it it's a lens I mean when you look through whatever or whoever's sitting in that chair in your life, it affects the how the way you see the world now for some it's a thing it's not a person it's it's career it's business it's the bottom line i mean it's money it's it's bank accounts. I mean, it's all that stuff. Houses and boats. I mean, it it's, could be anything. But for some, it's a person. It's somebody they're following. Paul said, until Jesus is sitting there, you're not going to experience what God has for you. And so we come to chapter 2, and that's exactly what he says. He says, I came to you, and I determined that I wasn't going to get into all this. He said that. She said this. What, he said, I came, and I determined to know one thing, and that's Jesus. And him crucified, which is the only rightful one to sit in that place in our life. So he opens up the chapter, chapter 2, with that. And then he begins to describe how that our faith is fed by the Holy Spirit. And guys, you can't take the role of the Holy Spirit out out of this. You can't. If you make it human, if you make it about logic, if you make it about just whatever, it will never be what God intended it to be. And I'm talking about your life and my life. There's someone living in you. When Jesus walks in your life, the Holy Spirit comes in. That's how you came to Christ. I mean, he drew you. And so the presence of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit is living in you. And when you surrender to that, it changes everything. And Paul describes it. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Excuse me, chapter 2. We actually made it out of chapter 1. We're flying now. Um, This is the chapter that Paul says our faith is the most important thing, but it's anchored in the power of God, and it's fed by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I will tell you that when Jesus sits in that chair, there are things about him and things about my faith I don't understand. So let's just have an agreement this morning. You're never going to reach the point where you've got the mystery all figured out. Paul didn't have it all figured out. So that's the beauty of following Christ. You're always learning things. You're always seeing things. You're always experiencing things that you never knew. That's going to be in this verse we're going to read. So don't wait till you got it all figured out. Believe. You know what I know about faith? It's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. And I know this about faith. Paul says it in the second letter to the Grinch. He said, we walk, not by, we walk by sight when we're not walking according to the Spirit, but we ought to be walking by faith. So in other words, don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Just because you don't understand it all, still believe and watch what he does. So let's start verse 1. Chapter 2, Paul says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let me just pause there. The word of the day in Greek culture was wisdom. And you were supposed to have eloquence. You were supposed to be able to have rhetorical skills. The philosophers were the most incredibly blessed orators. And Paul said, you know what? I just decided that's not me. All I know is that Jesus Christ died for me, and he died for you. So he said, I came with knowing that and wanting to share that more than I did anything else. And then he kind of tells you why. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So our faith is anchored in the power of God, it's not anchored in a fad. It's not anchored in a cliche. It's not anchored in the wisdom around us. It is anchored in the wisdom of God, and you never see that better than at the cross. Billy Graham used to say, people will not go across the street to hear Billy Graham, but they will drive and fly for miles to hear about the cross of Jesus. It's the most beautiful demonstration of the power of God that took our sin and forgave it and transformed us at the cross so Paul said that's what I wanted to talk about and he said I came with fear and trembling what does that mean he said I'm I I want to know I want you to know the truth Paul when he used his fear and trembling he wasn't afraid of anybody I mean I can't wait to meet him in heaven one day this dude was a stud I mean he was a man and and he didn't have fear of humans But he was afraid that he might mishandle this thing called the gospel. He wanted to be faithful and true because he knows where the power is. And he said, I just want at the end of the day, I want you to believe and put your faith, not in some cliche or fad, I want you to put your faith in the power of God changing your life. We live in a culture where everything is cliche. I mean, you think about it. Some have reduced the faith to cute little sayings, all right? Now, I've said some of them. I mean, we all have our favorites and little things that we say, but is that where our faith rests? Here, I read an article that said these cliches have got to go. This guy's perspective was, you got to get rid of these. You should never use these. Here's the first one. When God closes a door, he opens a window. Where is that? (laughs) Where is it? I mean, it sounds great. I read what somebody from the Gospel Coalition said about it. He said, no, if God closes a door in your life, there's no guarantee I'll open a window because you may be at the wrong address. So (laughs) you just got to remember, God is God. He does whatever he wants. But you hang on to those pithy little sayings, and there's nothing there. Another one, (laughs) you're never more safe than when you're in God's will. But what if you were coming to church and had a wreck? Well, God, I was going to church. I mean, come on. I'm trying to do your will. And then what about this one? God will not give you more than you can handle. Can I get a witness? That's not true, right? <laughs> no. He will give us more than we can, but not more than he can handle, for sure. And then this, God helps those who help themselves. That's the best one. Where in the world is that? So all of these little things. You know what it reminds me of? When I was a kid... I used to love to go to the county fair, and you would probably guess what I'm about to say. My favorite thing there was the cotton candy. Man, I see those big old things blown up and I'm like, oh, that looks great. Let me, let me show you some. We have some. I mean, this looks like a pink hairball, but it's, a, it's cotton candy. Here's what I found out about cotton candy, it looks so big and fluffy. It's gone. <laughs> I don't get to chew on anything. I don't get to let it just... cut. Ca- it's gone. There's a lot of stuff out there that looks like this. But when you hold on to it, it's gone. In other words, when you're facing death, does a cliche work for you? When you've got a friend that's dying, does a cliche, a cliche really help you? I, I just... I just am so thankful Paul said our faith rests in the power of God, not a silly saying or a fad. It's not cotton candy. It's the truth and the power of Almighty God. we got to give him praise for that. He is. The second thing, our faith is fed by the Spirit. When Jesus is sitting in that chair, there's so much more he wants to show you. And so what Paul does, he talks about the difference in the wisdom of the world and what he does. And he also mentions that sometimes we live in the natural when we ought to be living in the supernatural. Okay, so read it with me. I'm going to start again in verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, though it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. We impart wisdom. A secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had this is a fascinating statement if they had understood this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That just is a, to me, a startling statement. If they had known what we know, they'd have never crucified Jesus. And then he goes on to say, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly, foolishness to him. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Take the word judge and insert discern. It's exactly what he's talking about. Judge takes us down a different path. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, what is, what is he saying? Well, he's saying when Jesus is sitting in that place in your life, you surrender to him, and you surrender to his spirit living in you. And when you do, you begin to learn and see things that you will never see apart from living a surrendered life. You you begin to understand things. Now, there's still going to be mystery, but things make a lot more sense. And Paul's saying, this is not the wisdom of the world. This is only a wisdom that comes when you surrender to the one who is living in you. And he says, the rulers of this world don't understand it. They call it folly. Go, go back to the text and, and look. The rulers of this world who are doomed to pass away. That is actually a word for the demonic. Same word he uses later when he talks about the forces of the, of the demons and the prince of the air, the ruler of the air, Satan himself. So in other words, there is a wisdom in this world, but it's not the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is what opens your mind and heart to so many things. It's unbelievable. In fact, he makes some statements about it that I think are pretty cool. It is before the ages. That's how old it is. You know, you and I get all jacked up when we read something that they've discovered last month. How about something that was written before the worlds began? How about a wisdom that was before time? That's what we get when he is sitting in that chair and we are surrendered to him. And and it's not only that, it was for our glory. You see that? I mean, people, they don't realize this, for our glory. This wisdom is to bless your life. It is to honor you. I mean, literally, before time, he had you in mind. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, he wants to show you things. And the way he describes it, he quotes from Isaiah. A couple of places in Isaiah. Oftentimes, Paul will take two scriptures and kind of run them together from the Old Testament. Look at this. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Let me interpret it for you. You have never seen what God wants to do in your life. You can't even imagine it. In fact, you've never even heard it. It's so much better than you think. Now, this verse, uh, I'll be real careful not to say the name of the president, but one of our presidents, a sitting president, used this in a speech to the country. Except when he said it, He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God, he didn't say what God has prepared, what we can build together. And I remember when I heard it, I'm like, oh my goodness. He just took the place of God. Let me tell you what I want. I don't want what we can build together. I want what God can build and what God can do. That's the promise beyond what you can imagine. When you allow him his rightful place, when you surrender, all of a sudden, there's stuff that opens up, and you begin to see things. Now, he's got a warning for us in here. People in the world are going to think you're crazy. They're not going to understand it. Go to verse 14. Let me show you something. Verse 14 starts, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit. What's the natural person? Who is the natural person? This doesn't mean someone who is a vegan. Okay? This does not mean somebody who's given up, you know, dairy and all that. No, 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 no. A natural person is somebody who does not walk in the Spirit, but they walk according to the flesh. I'll make it a little more plain. It is referring to two groups of people. Number one, to people who have never believed in the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you've never put your faith in Christ, you can't walk by the Spirit because you don't have the Spirit, right? So you're walking according to the natural, which is the world around you and your own intuition and insight. It also is referring to Christians who no longer are surrendered to Jesus, but they're calling their own shots. I personally bounce in and out, and many of you do too. Uh, there are seasons that I think in the natural, and I'm trying to understand in the natural, and all of a sudden it's the Lord says, you're, you're in the natural. You need to understand what I'm showing you. And so I think it's very possible for us to be in seasons in the natural and then seasons when we're in the Spirit. So this is what the promise is. When you are in the Spirit, when you are allowing, and it's, I think the key here is surrender. Who's sitting in that chair? And are you surrendered? By virtue of the fact Jesus is sitting in the chair, that probably means you are surrendered. You gave up the chair. That's hard to do. But I think it's a daily surrender. That's why Paul said, I die daily. That's why he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet it's not me. It's Christ living in me. So when you live that way, the world doesn't understand you. You're going to have people look at you and think you're crazy. In fact, I'll uh, I'll be honest. Their people think you're crazy because you're here this morning. What do you mean you're going to church? And they'll kind of make comments. We're living in a world that increasingly is more suspicious of everything of faith. The supernatural is no longer even respected. It's almost made fun of. I mean, it's like we're at a place where it's just, let's see what we can do to offend those who are of the faith of Jesus Christ. I didn't watch it live, but I saw it. There was an example in the Grammys this year. Let's celebrate something that is totally opposite from everything that we have been taught by these Christians. Um, you'll see commercials today. He gets us. There's an all-out attack on that organization that is trying to infuse into a very difficult marketplace the idea that Jesus understands us. Guys, it's just all around us. I mean, I could go on and on. There's no need to do it. People are going to think you're crazy. Here's what I will say to you. So what? What? We are not living according to their wisdom. We are living according to His wisdom. So what? I'll give you two choices. You want them to think you're a fool, or you want God to think you're a fool? Because it's either or. According to what Paul said, they're not going to understand it. And they're not going to, but you have the mind of Christ. Can you believe he actually says that? You have the mind of Christ. So that means that when you see something that the Spirit is doing, it makes sense to you. You get it. But be careful. You may share it with a friend, and they look at you and like, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? Man, I wish that I could tell you when you love Jesus, you're everybody's hero. No, you're not. And increasingly, it will be that way. I just want to remind you what Paul said a long time ago. Is that when you walk by the Spirit, you have received something the world cannot receive. Why? Because the world is natural and you are by the Spirit. It's very different. I remember one time I was, uh, <laughs> I was really being led by the Lord to leave a church. Uh, Rachel and I had been there. It was in Texas, and it was a wonderful church. Been there 10 years. Uh, I had done my education there and I actually was teaching for the seminary. But we just felt uh, God had opened a door, and it wasn't the first one. We'd said no many times, but this door seemed like it was the Lord saying, it's time to go. So I stood up and announced it to people I loved, and I cried, and they cried. And I'll never forget this conversation that happened. Right after it, a woman who was an elderly lady. Now, looking back, she was probably my age then, uh, but uh, I was young, really young. Everybody was elderly. And I said, uh, uh, she met me down front, and she looked at me, and she said, now, Pastor, you know, I, my husband left me a lot of money. And I said, yes, ma'am, I, I know, Dorothy, he, he left you very well off, and I'm so thankful he did. Well, then, uh, I need to know something. What is that other church going to pay you? And I said, I have no idea. And she goes, you find out this week, and I will double it right here. So I went and told Rachel, maybe we didn't hear from the Lord. Maybe that, maybe I thought, maybe I missed, I misread that, you know? I looked at her and I said, Dorothy, oh my goodness, you're you're the sweetest thing. But Dorothy, that's not how it works. I I God is just stirring and he's calling us i don't have a clue what they're going to pay us i just know it's what we're supposed to do she said that didn't even make sense <laughs> now she was a new christian I, she was i was there when she was saved and baptized I mean, she was a young christian but you see she was struggling with that so i want to encourage you this morning people aren't going to get it your closest friends may not understand you but again that's okay Because you know when the Spirit is leading, that is something beyond anything you've ever imagined, what He wants to do in your life. The vice versa part of it is true too. You recognize things of the Spirit. You look at something and go, oh my goodness, and everybody else is going, what in the world is happening? Can I give you an example? If you Google Asbury University right now, you will see there is what's called a revival that has broken out at Asbury University. It's a university in Kentucky. We have people who've gone there. Asbury University had a chapel service on Wednesday. The guy got up and spoke on confession. He spoke on on loving one another, and he spoke on loving kindness and acts of mercy and And just coming before the Lord. And and, and he ended it with surrender. And he said, we've got to surrender. We've got to have more of him and less of us. Something happened and they have not left the room chapel meets in. It's called Hughes Auditorium. They haven't left their room. People have started to come from all over, not just Kentucky. There are students coming from other universities. One kid takes his mattress out of the dorm drags it into the balcony of that place. Let me show you some pictures, okay? There's a picture of some of them standing in worship. And, and as you can see, I mean, it's mixed. And it's, this is nonstop, 24 hours every day since then. There they are. What's happening is they're just singing. They're just worshiping. Every once in a while, somebody will stand up and read scripture. Sometimes somebody will come and say something and speak. But the witnesses that are there are saying, when you walk in, it is the most peaceful feeling they've ever had. It's like the Lord has just said, I will visit here. Now, I promise you the world's going to see that and go, that's crazy. That is just ridiculous. I'm going to see that and go, God, do it here. We welcome you. We want you to move. And I'm telling you, I've had moments back in the 70s, 1970, a major outpouring of God was there on that university. I've had moments where I've seen glimpses. But I can tell you the key. It's only when we surrender. Man, what that guy said, Jesus, we want more of you and less of us. So maybe this morning, what he's asking us to do is just say, I surrender. I'm not going to live in the natural and the flesh and according to the wisdom of the world. I am longing and hungering for you and you alone. I surrender all. There was an old hymn, I surrender all. And it's a beautiful hymn. And it just basically says, all to Jesus, I surrender. Can we do that? Can we stand together right now? Let me ask you this, the altar is gonna be open. As I've said before, at any point of any service, before or after, this altar is a place for you to come and just to bow and to kneel. If you're on the stream right now, hey, there's a way maybe wherever you are just to have a moment just to, if you wanna get on your knees and I'd invite you even in this place, whatever you feel like doing, what I want us together to say is, Jesus, (laughs) we don't want what this world has to offer. We want what you can do. I surrender all. Would you feel comfortable just lifting your hand, saying, Jesus, I surrender all, and let's sing this to him, and let's mean it, and whatever God tells you, do it right now as we surrender. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.